0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of A Head Full of Ideas, a Bob Dylan podcast. And this is Chris Gregory here. Today I'd like to read you a couple more extracts from my book, Determined to Stand, the reinvention of Bob Dylan. In the 2000s, Dylan wrote several songs intended for film soundtracks. One of these songs, Things Have Changed, actually won him an Oscar. This is the extract from Determined to Stand about Hooks' tune, the enigmatically charming Hooks' tune, was written in 2007 for director Curtis Hansen's gambling tale Lucky You, and was later released on Telltale Signs. Like Tell Old Bill, Hooks' tune refers, if somewhat obliquely, to the characters and action in the film. Although it's only been performed on a handful of occasions in early 2014, it is a supreme example of Dylan's late romantic style. A funny, touching, and really quite beautiful piece with a delicate, otherworldly quality and a dreamlike meditation on fixation and compulsion, the movie is set in Las Vegas and tells the story of Huck Cheever, played by Eric Barner, a down on his luck professional gambler who has to compete with his father, Robert Duval, in a World Series poker tournament and win the love of Billy Offer. Drew Barrymore who despite being attracted by his apparent vulnerability is suspicious of his character. Her suspicions are confirmed when after their first night together he steals money from her to use in the casino. Eventually the conflicts with his father and his lover are resolved when against the habit of a lifetime he deliberately loses the big poker game. The movie was not as successful as Hanson's other films such as LA Confidential and The Wonder Boys It lacks pace and suspense and features perhaps too many rather drawn out poker sequences. As with Wonder Boys, the film uses rock songs including Bruce Springsteen's Lucky Town and The Fever to counterpoint the action, Dylan's new song appears over the closing credits. Sadly I guess just when people are leaving the cinema. Dylan has always been fascinated by gambling and it looms large in American literary and song traditions. One of his earliest known recordings is an adaptation of the traditional Rambler Gambler, which appears on the Bootleg series Volume 7. You probably heard this in a version by the Clancy Brothers. In this song, the narrator defines himself as a defiant outsider. I'm a rambler, I'm a gambler, and I'm far from my home. And if you don't like me, you can leave me alone. Reflecting the figure of the gambler as the lone adventurer who appears in many westerns, the typical American outsider who lives by his wits. Dylan has also performed The Roving Gambler, another traditional song on many occasions. This is a very similar theme, but here The Gambler ends up dead in a shootout. It featured in some of his earliest coffee house performances in Greenwich Village. Between 1997 and 2002, it was performed in a rousing bluegrass style as a set opener, often featuring strong harmony vocals, by Larry Campbell and Charlie Sexton. An early Dylan song Rambling Gambling Willie, which is heavily based on Brennan on the Moor, another ballad from the Clancy Brothers repertoire, eulogises the gambling man as a kind of folk hero. This rake and rogue has 27 children but he never had a wife. We are reassured, however, that he supports them all. In the end, poor Willie meets the same fate as the roving gambler, getting shot after a card game gets out of hand. The notion of gambling as a metaphor for a certain kind of artistic freedom recurs throughout Dylan's work. In his 1965 song, It's All Over Now Baby Blue, he declares that the highway is for gamblers, better use your sense, take what you have gathered from coincidence, an invocation of the kind of spontaneous inspirational creativity he was then relying on. 1975's Lily, Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts is a surreal western shaggy dog story in which the eponymous and ever elusive Jack of Hearts is both a character in the song and a playing card. Indeed the whole song can be seen as a bizarre card game rather like certain scenes in Alice's Inventures in Wonderland. Each verse of Hook's tune ends in the refrain, I'm going to have to put you down for a while the narrator repeatedly asserts that he will have to let her pass through his hands. In the movie, Huck Cheever is far from being a freewheeling folk hero like Rambling Gambling Willie. He is such a compulsive gambler that he is prepared to betray both his girlfriend and his father to secure success at the table. Gambling now represents not freedom, but addiction and obsession. The film, however, does deliver a conventional happy ending this is reflected in dylan's approach to the song the music is a dreamy waltz and his vocals here are understated with the lyrics being delivered in a gently reassuring manner the song is full of mischievous whimsy balanced against a knowing cautionary tone very much the voice of experience tinged with a certain regretful sadness the language of hook's tune strongly recalls that of the romantic poets and the king james bible Its opening line, I wandered alone through a desert of stone, recalls both Wordsworth's daffodils, which begins, I wandered lonely as a cloud, and Shelley's Ozymandias. Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in a desert. When the narrator announces that, my sword's in my hand and I'm next in command in this version of death called life, there are echoes of Blake's Jerusalem, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand, and Coleridge's ancient mariner, the nightmare life and death was she. Other lines in the first verse seem to have biblical connotations. My plate and my cup are right straight up, echoes Matthew twenty three twenty five. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. At the end of the verse he cries When I kiss your lips the honey drips. Lines which resonate with the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 11. Thy lips, O my spouse, drop as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under thy tongue, and the smell of thy garments is like the smell of Lebanon. Sexy stuff. And the final lines of Coleridge's celebrated opium dream, Kubla Khan. For he on honeydew have fed and drunk the milk of paradise. The song's most striking and memorable line, which scans perfectly with its waltz time, is I took a rose from the hand of a child. This may be a further declaration of innocence, although whether the child has handed over the rose voluntarily isn't stated. Perhaps this is a symbol of beauty, or a manifestation of Blake's sick rose, the embodiment of corruption. Dylan's delicate delivery allows this to remain ambiguous. The following four verses do not perhaps have the compressed poetic power of the first verse which invites us into the dream world of the song and depicts a narrator who has been lured into a honey trap. But they develop the idea of compulsion in different ways alternating between humour and dark intimations. The narrator seems fixated on the object of the song who is in her girlish prime. He seems to want to step out with her to a ball. Behind every tree, there's something to see, he tells us. The river is wider than a mile. These lines recall the Johnny Mercer, Henry Mancini standard, Moon River, which Dylan has covered in concert on a number of occasions. This begins, Moon River, wider than a mile. I'm crossing you in style some day. Oh, dream maker, you heartbreaker. Wherever you're going, I'm going your way. Its mysterious dream river is a symbol of romantic compulsion. In both songs, the river may be either the river of life, which is always flowing with surprises, or the river of death. The link between the two songs becomes even stronger in the later lines in Moon River, which run, We're after the same rainbow's end, my Huckleberry friend and me. A Huckleberry is a 19th century Southern American expression meaning the right person for the job. It is an expression which Mark Twain was undoubtedly aware of when he named the eponymous hero of The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. So here the three hooks are cleverly linked. Perhaps the river is yet again the mighty Mississippi which at its widest spans more than 11 miles. In the third verse the poker metaphor is stressed. We are introduced to the ladies and men who have come to play the game, including a nurse with money in her purse. The narrator admits that he will commit everything to his obsessive compulsion despite the hopelessness of his position. You push it all in and you've no chance to win, you play him on down to the end. A poker player who has committed himself to a push in has committed all his chips, his remaining stake to the current game. Meanwhile the narrator's dream visions are multiplying. Various metaphorical descriptions of how he is playing the game follow. At one point he is merely observing the other players as if he is laying in the sand getting a sunshine tan. In another he is preparing to play his hand, moving along, riding in style. In a nicely compact rhyme he tells the girl that from my toes to my head you knock me dead. You knock me dead is a colloquial phrase which occurs in blues songs such as John Lee Hooker's Boom Boom signifying just how much the singer has been bowled over by the object of his love. But here it may also have a darker significance, suggesting that the player may be being lured to his doom by this elusive Queen of Hearts. To knock in a poker game means to decide not to play one's turn by knocking on the table, possibly forcing the other player to reveal a weak hand which he has been using as a bluff. The life of poker players, or addicts in general, may be characterised by the compulsion to bluff both others and themselves as they are drawn towards playing a disastrous final hand. The narrator becomes a little more honest in the fourth verse. I count the years and I shed no tears, he tells us, I am blinded to what might have been. He searches around for some compensation. Nature's voice makes my heart rejoice, he cries. Words that recall those of Country Home, a 19th century hymn, which is heavily influenced by Romanticism. Quietly, quietly pass away my days, while a holy light of gladness ever round me plays, a light within a spirit which those happy ones inherit, who hear nature's voice bidding their souls arise, from earth unto the skies making the heart rejoice. In his desperation he implores the spirits to play me the wild song of the wind, which sounds like some old Irish ballad. He confesses that his love for his queen is hopeless, and then he addresses her again, attempting to convey his sincerity. You're as fine as wine, I ain't handing you no line. But he will still have to put her down. He is, it seems, about to play his last card. In the final verse he reaches the limits of bluffing, expressed in a curiously humorous and defiant cry of despair. All the merry little elves can go hang themselves. He declares that my faith is as cold as can be. Despite having a pile of chips next to him, he is stacked high to the roof, he insists that, in my words, you'll find no guile. Finally, he asserts twice that the game's gotten old, the deck's gone cold, suggesting that the pack he is using has been tampered with. Thus, the whole game of life he has been describing may be declared invalid. Or perhaps this, or indeed the entire song is just an elaborate bluff. Throughout Lucky You we see Hook constantly staring at his fellow players, trying to figure out their motives. Perhaps the narrator of the song may merely be leading us on. This is suggested by the playful tune that Dylan adopts throughout, as if he is singing with a merry twinkle in his eye. Poker as a game of bluff is of course all about ambiguity which is in many ways the most essential quality of Dylan's lyricism. The song is an extended tease with the singer winking at us, suggesting that all of this, and perhaps life itself, is just a kind of game. However, in the last couple of live performances on the Japanese tour of spring 2014, the playful tone is turned down and Dylan pronounces the words rather more harshly. In this version, he placed down any pretensions of nobility. He now has a whip rather than a sword in his hand. In this context, the references to the nurse with the money in her purse and the merry little elves sound scathing rather than soothing. The tone of the song now suggests that treating life as a game has a considerable cost. It's easy to see why Dylan was attracted to the subject matter of Lucky You. Over his long career, beset by reporters, critics and fans expecting him to provide profound answers to their questions and having to live with the burden of being acclaimed as a spokesman or a prophet, he has learned that avoiding straightforward answers is generally the best policy. Just as his songs have grown more ambiguous as his career has progressed, he has twisted and turned his own words in live performance around so that you can never quite pin down exactly what they mean. This is perhaps the reason why, at the end of every performance, he faces a cheering, adoring crowd with a stoically, steadfastly blank poker face. Okay, uh, just to repeat that, that song appears on the Bootleg Series Collection Telltale Signs. I'd like to finish today by uh, reading an extract which describes a performance from The Never Ending Tour. 19th of november 1995 the shrine auditorium los angeles it is the occasion of the taping of the frank sinatra 80th birthday tribute which as eighty years my way will be shown on tv a few weeks later clad in a sharp gray suit and unusually for him in those days a tie bob looks decidedly nervous as if he is performing in front of royalty which in a peculiarly American way he is. His performance is the last of a series of tributes that have been dedicated tonight to the great Frank, who sits, accompanied by his wife Barbara, in the front row. The story goes that Bob, like all the other performers, was going to do a Sinatra number. He and Tony and the string section employed to back all the other performers that night. They had it all rehearsed. And then at the last moment, Frank's people had communicated that they wanted Bob and the boys to do his 1964 song, Restless Farewell. This was a song Dylan had not performed for 30 years. But of course you didn't mess with Frank's people. It was, as Marlon Brando might have muttered, an offer you couldn't refuse. But what was Bob to make of the idea that back in the early 60s, Frank and his Rat Pack pals had been screwing around in Vegas amusing themselves by grooving to the times they are a changing album. Was this the same Sinatra who had once called rock and roll the most brutal, ugly, desperate, vicious form of expression? It's been my misfortune to hear. But there is certainly no way Bob is going to junk Frank's suggestion and deliver a snarling Maggie's farm. Newport 65, this is not. The performance opens with some quiet acoustic strumming. Dylan enunciates the lyrics in a reverential near-whisper, which stands in total contrast to the showbiz pizzazz of almost all the performers who have preceded him. He pronounces every word with great care. The music gradually rises with a stately grace. Dylan's understated phrasing lets the words breathe with the power of lived experience. Soon it is clear why Sinatra himself likes the song. It is extraordinary how a lyric which Dylan had composed as a 22-year-old more than 30 years before now stands as such an eloquent summation of Sinatra's career. The personal testimony of an old man looking back on a tempestuous life with great dignity and poise and yet with unrepentant defiance the tune of the song is based on the traditional irish lament the parting glass which dylan had picked up again from the clancy brothers and whose imagery of taking the last drink of life dylan develops poetically into the story of a narrator who did it my way But unlike that old warhorse of a song with its bombastic egotism, we are able to read other meanings into Restless Farewell as the possibly quite inebriated raconteur is clearly being so defensive about his life that he may well be an unreliable narrator. We can only imagine what other stories those who had tangled with him might tell. The alcohol-related imagery in the early part of the song chimes perfectly with Sinatra's own hell-raising lifestyle in the past, in contrast to the fact that it will clearly soon be closing time for him. He died less than three years later. Lines such as Every girl that ever I've hurt, I did not do it knowingly, seem to summarise what you might imagine would be Old Blue Eyes' attitude to his famously colourful love life. Dylan's Every foe that I ever I faced, the cause was there before we came. And every cause that ever I fought, I fought it full without regret or shame. Could easily refer here to the many personal conflicts Sinatra had experienced in his life. But then the song gets darker. The narrator admits that if he thought too much about all this, he might go insane. But in the end he redeems himself by admitting humbly that It's for myself and my friends that my stories are sung." The final verse is a meditation on the accumulated dust of time, in which so many rumours accumulate, but then, in what is surely one of Dylan's most accomplished denouements, he declares, using a poignantly extended series of metaphors, "...but if the arrow is straight and the point is slick, it can pierce through dust, no matter how thick." In other words, the rumours may well be true. But now we can clearly sense that the singer is not really the moral paradigm that he is continually professed to be. But whatever sins he may have committed, the judgment that posterity will make will not be based on any of this, but on how well he has expressed himself. It is a song, ultimately, that a man might sing when he meets his maker. It is a kind of confession, a prayer recited in the hope of redemption and thus a meaningful statement about the relationship between life and art. Dylan delivers it with what can only be called profound reverence. Happy birthday Mr Frank, says Bob at the end, and the camera cuts to Sinatra himself. It's not surprising that he has tears in those famous blue eyes. So that's about it for today. And uh, we'll see you next time. Don't forget to subscribe. Bye.